0: Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to Marshmallow's Hope. Hold on, pain ends. So I found out that another 14-year-old in my area um, died by suicide this past Sunday, and it truly just shattered my soul. Um, It took me back to the day that my own son took his life, and, you know, every feeling, every emotion the numbness that I felt, um, that heaviness, you know, that I carried on my chest for the first 30 days. I mean, like every detail of that awful day and those months that like followed, it was as if, you know, this news literally just took me back to that. Um, and I can't help but like feel really overwhelmed and extremely sad because, you know, I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I never want any parent to have to feel the pain that I feel, but yet I continue to hear of like our youth just taking themselves out, you know, um, and and then it makes me wonder, like, why are we losing so many young children to suicide? You know, just people in general. Why are we losing so many people to suicide in general? And, you know, I also wonder, like, have we been losing all these people all along? And I just wasn't aware of it, you know, because it hadn't happened to me. So was I just not paying attention to the fact that this was... A problem that we were really already having in this world. Um, and now you know, I'm super aware of it um, or or is it that the numbers I mean statistics really do show that the numbers are skyrocketing. They're just rising. and you know so although it was already happening, um, number one, yeah, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware and I feel like a lot of people aren't aware it was like you know it wasn't until it happened to me that I became aware that this is a huge problem but you know on top of it like the numbers they're just scary Um, right now one in five people know somebody that has been directly affected by suicide so you know if you're standing in a line of 10 people, two out of those 10 people have been affected by suicide in one way or another. And and if you think about it that way, I mean, it's it's awful, um, especially in our youth. Like, I don't ever want to think of a child dying in any capacity, but for them to be taking their own life, you know, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. And... And I wanna do more of it, you know. I I mean I, I talk to teens all the time, I listen to their pain, I validate it, you know. Um, but I believe that there's so much more than that. Like it's it's bigger than that, it's bigger than than just you know them dealing with like their everyday lives. Um I just I believe that You know, it could be that maybe our youth is just being led by an unhealthy, ungodly world. Like, you know, why was God taken out of our schools? You know, I I just, I don't understand. And why is social media, like, I'm not saying that social media is the devil, of course. Like, there's a lot of good that comes with social media. For example, like, I live you know, 1200 miles away from all of my family. And if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't be in constant communication with them, you know, so I'm appreciative of the fact that we now have social media and we can keep contact with our loved ones and with our friends and, and see what's going on. But as far as our youth, I just I feel that social media, like, it's it seriously affects them, you know, because like, our young kids, like they're, they're using social media to attack each other. Like I would, you know, I was fortunate enough to really not, um, be bullied per se, like in, in school. Like I wasn't, you know, when I moved to the United States from Mexico, I didn't speak any English and I started fourth grade, um, in elementary school in Orlando, Florida, and i remember being made fun of by kids because i couldn't pronounce words properly or i had an accent or you know i didn't really speak the language that type of thing but it was a very short lived you know stress in my life i guess like i learned how to speak english within the first year um that i was here and i think that the kids you know making fun of the fact that i didn't speak english or i didn't enunciate things the way that I should and I still struggle with that you know but like I find it funny now I'm like hey I speak two languages you know like like it doesn't bother me now how I guess it would have back then um but but kids like it ended at school you know what I mean when I went home I didn't take that with me it didn't follow me home I didn't you know like I I don't know I just it was left at school and with social media I feel like you know, when kids are arguing or picking on each other or bullying each other, like it follows them and it doesn't end. It's a 24 seven thing that they're having to constantly deal with. If they're in an argument with someone, like they're in an argument with that person, you know, throughout their whole entire day, it doesn't stop. And and that's why I feel like it's it's such a heavy load. Social media just creates that heaviness for them. Um, and I don't know. I, I feel like our youth are, are just weak in, in the sense of they're, they're really not able to see past the right now, you know, everything that's bothering them right now. Like they don't think about how that pain is going to end, how like they can move forward from that. And, and the constant pain that they're feeling now from the arguments that they're having with their peers or from being made fun of or from not feeling like they fit in, like, all of that goes away. As you start growing up, as you start to mature, like, those things don't seem that important to you, and, you know, or or they shape you into, like, who you become as an adult, and... Um, I feel like our youth, like our teens, our young kids, they just don't have the ability to see past that, you know, right now you're being mean to me. And right now, like, I just want to end the pain. So right now I'm just going to take my life because I feel that the world would be a better place without me in it. And that's just not true. And, you know, so like when I talk to these teens who are struggling, again, I validate what they're feeling, but then I also try to paint a picture for them about the world like you know right now you're in pain yeah i i understand and i get it and i sympathize with you but guess what like as you get older like one day you're going to graduate high school you're going to travel the world you're going to fall in love you're going to get married you're going to have children of your own like i try to paint the bigger picture you know you're going to have a career you're going to have like the ability to make your own choices of where you want to go in life. And it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be detrimental and painful. And, you know, I I just, I just don't get it. And, and it's painful. Like I, I just don't understand. I, I really hate suicide I hate it I hate it because it's affected me I hate it because it shouldn't be a thought you know it shouldn't be a thought in our in our minds to think that this world would be a better place without us in it um and it's just really really sad for me to hear that another 14 year old boy made this decision you know and and I didn't personally know him um I found out of him because, you know, of the other teens that I I talk to and and I help, you know, somebody knows somebody who knows somebody and the word just gets back to me. And so um, this boy's peers were, were highly affected and they contacted me and, you know, wanted me to really help get them through the pain that they were feeling for losing their their friend to suicide, you know, and so, I mean, I do it, I listen, um, and it just, it's just so heartbreaking, I mean, there's no other world, like, there's no other word that I can use to, to describe what my world in this is now, if that makes sense, like, I hurt, when I hear this shit, I hurt, and it hurts my soul, and I just want to do more. Like, what what can I do to honor these kids who have thought that their lives are better off being out of this world, you know? What can I do to make an impact? What can I do to, like get through to them that this is not the way out. You have a purpose in life. You have a legacy that you have to carry out that you, you know, you're supposed to be here. You are supposed to be here. Your life matters. Suicide doesn't discriminate though. You know, it can affect any type of household. Um, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, you know, whether you had both parents raise you or whether you grew up in a single parent household, like it doesn't matter. It, it can affect anyone. Suicide does not discriminate. Suicide is real. Those those thoughts of of unworthiness and of not wanting to be alive, those thoughts are very, very real. And I don't know. It it's just it's just heartbreaking, you know. I my kid, like when I think about Zach and I think about how amazing of a person he was and how happy he was, you know. He he just he laughed all the time and he joked and he made sure that everybody else around him was taken care of. I mean from From the time that I can remember, like, you know, when he was little, he used to always just want to help me fix things, and he loved his sister beyond words. Like, that kid would give anything for her, and his little brother, you know, he was an amazing big brother to his little brother, and he didn't care if kids were eight years old Or if you were a 25-year-old adult or, you know, like, he, age didn't matter to him. Like, he just got along with everybody. He was just a really, really, really wonderful individual. And when I think of him just giving up and thinking that my life would be better off without him, you know, I, I think of it as an unselfish gesture but yet at the same time it just saddens me that it came to that that he really believed that the world would be a better place without him and then you know i think about like chris cornell for example i mean the guy is an incredible musician you know he has it all he was a rock star he had the beautiful wife wonderful children. He seemed to be an amazing dad, a very loved individual. I mean, that was one person that touched my life through his music, through his words, and it genuinely impacted me hearing that he died by suicide. Like, I remember crying over this man who I've never met in my whole entire life because of what his music meant to me, like, he touched me through his lyrics, and it just, it just makes you, like, see how real this demon is, you know, so I, I just, I don't get it, like, why did he succumb to giving up and taking his own life, you know, I have so many questions and zero answers, and I have to try to let go, I have to try to let go of trying to find the answers, but, I want to be a light in somebody else's life you know I want to prevent this and I just I feel like I'm not doing enough but I don't want to give up you know and then as a Christian I don't know the only conclusion that I I have come to is that the demons of depression are very 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 real and some of us can get through those depressive thoughts and you know those feelings of unworthiness and some of us just cannot and I don't know. The other day I was sitting in my living room and I got this text message from my boyfriend and he sent me a Bible scripture and then he sent me a picture to go along with it. And in the picture, um, it was a picture of Jesus standing on this rock, like a really high rock. And, um, There's light shining all around him, you know. But then beside him is this, like, gargoyle-looking creature, really demonic, dark creature, like, leaning close to God, you know, or to Jesus. And he asked me in the text message, he said, when you read this passage and you look at this picture, is this what you think of? Like, is this what you envision When you read the part about the devil trying to tempt Jesus. And my first reaction was, yeah, because I knew exactly what he was talking about. You know, um, he was talking about right after Jesus was baptized, he was delivered the Holy Spirit, and then let into the wilderness where he spent 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by the devil. And so since I know this story, I hadn't really read the passage right away before I answered. And I was like, yeah, I do. And I even started describing to him, but I picture it like this, you know. Um, but the the point was that I envisioned the devil being next to Jesus like Whispering in his ear all the crap that he was saying to him, right? And then I read the passage again um, that he had attached to the text message. And as I'm reading this, like this heaviness just came over me. And um, literally, I lost it and I started to cry. And um, I'm going to read you the passage. um, But it's on... It's Matthew 4, um, and it's where Jesus is tested in the wilderness. And so it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, you will not strike your foot against a stone, or so that you will not strike a foot against your stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now let me reread that again, sorry, because I jacked it all up, okay? So basically, the devil you know, Jesus is super hungry. He's, he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil turns around and tells him like, you know, Hey, if you're the son of God, go ahead, tell these stones to turn to bread. And, and the devil said, or I'm sorry, and Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that, you know, because we shouldn't live on bread alone, but on the word of God. And, so he, you know, he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so then the devil takes him to the holy city and has him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So when I read that, okay, it got me really, really, really emotional. I'm getting emotional now thinking about this. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Okay. Okay. So, like, I read this, and then my perception of that picture completely changed. At that very moment, that perception of the devil leaning up against Jesus and, like, tempting him, that vision was no longer there. You know what popped into my head? What popped into my head in that very scenario was Jesus' mind, Jesus' depressive thoughts. He had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. He was weak. He was weak-minded. Like, who's to say that the devil was physically there? And so I start typing this to my boyfriend. And I'm like, yo, like, oh my God, like, my perception of this completely changed. No, no, I don't think of Jesus And the devil standing there side by side and Jesus going through this. And as I'm typing this, my boyfriend types back to me the same exact response, right? Depression is of the devil. Our thoughts... God is never gonna give you the spirit of fear. He's never gonna give you the spirit or like the thoughts of you being unworthy because he created you. He thought that the world needed one of you in it like this place that we live in it's it's temporary but we're all here for a purpose we're all here for a reason so when you think about that passage right like i used to think about that passage and i've read it oh, like so many times and i've thought like i physically thought that the devil was there talking to jesus and like tempting him but then when i read it the other day it was clear as day that no The devil wasn't physically standing there. The Bible doesn't say anything about the devil being there on a physical form. The Holy Spirit was delivered to Jesus through a dove, right? The Holy Spirit lives within us. We can't physically see it, we can't physically touch it. It's in our hearts and it's in our soul. So, like, if Jesus and God have these, like, this power to deliver the Holy Spirit to us in this manner, then who's to say that the devil doesn't have the power to try to control our minds and try to put those ugly, depressive thoughts about ourselves to make us feel unworthy and to make us feel like the world would be a better place. Because, again, it's it's a battle for our souls, right? It has to be. Like, it fucked with me. It it fucked with my mind. Because immediately I thought about my kid. And I thought... I thought about how... He was just such a pure soul. And my kid was close to God. Like, my kid was the type of kid... That would beg me to go to youth group on Wednesday nights. And I was the type of mom. Who would be too tired to take him every single week. You know. So I would find him rides to go. If he really wanted to go. Or like he would beg me. You know. Can so and so take me to church. And like can they drive me. And you know at that point. Hey I didn't have to do the work. So yeah. I let him go. You know. And he would come home from church, and he would, like, he would tell me how amazing he felt when he went, but he lost his battle to these, to these demons, like, he lost his battle to the devil, like, you know, Zach, Zach was struggling And there are so many people out in the, like, in the world. This 14-year-old son, or son of somebody, 14-year-old boy, this last Sunday, lost his battle. You know, and and I believe that like when we're when we're getting closer to God, when we're finding ourselves, when we're finally accepting Jesus as, as as our Lord and Savior and when we're trying to live our life to the fullest and for God, you know, because that's ultimately like what we're here to do. We're here to make sure that we take as many people to eternal life that we grant them that gift of eternal life as many people as we can touch, even if it's just one person, right? I mean, I hope to God that I can reach more than one person, but like, even if it's just that one person that you get to save and you get to take with you, then, then you did it. You know, you did something amazing. You, you instilled that eternal gift in them. And when I sit here and I think, about how Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and he was mentally weak he was still able to fight off those thoughts he was able to fight the devil because he never lost faith he never lost faith he never lost sight he like knew the end game you know he knew that he had to conquer the devil to be able to have power and, and grant us all salvation. And that's pretty freaking beautiful, if you ask me. Like, that is pretty freaking incredible. Um, but never in my life. Never. I mean, I've heard the story. I've read the Bible verse. And I've always had that like visual image and it wasn't until sitting in my living room the other day when I finally read it and I was like, oh my gosh, like this, this struggle that all of these kids are having, like, you know, social media, it's, I don't think it's good for their souls, not when they're so young and as parents you know I do feel that we have like the the responsibility to try to lead them to the kingdom of heaven like that is our responsibility kids are led by example you know they learn from our our actions like we can tell them all day long like no don't do that but if we're doing what we're telling them not to do guess what they're gonna do they're gonna be like well my mom does it my dad does it you know what i mean like we have to be the prime example to lead them or lead them into in, into adulthood and to and to give them the the tools and the, the greatest tool of all is faith and hope You know, like if we just instill faith and hope into our children, I'm not saying it's like a magic wand, okay? I'm not saying that it's going to fix everything. Kids are still going to be kids. But if we just give them that foundation, if we give them that knowledge then maybe, just maybe, when they're having those thoughts of depression, when they're having those thoughts of not being worthy, when they're having the thoughts of not wanting to be alive, just maybe they'll cling on to faith and they'll want to live. Now, I couldn't do that for my kid. I couldn't do it for my kid, Um, but he did it for me, and for that, I have to be eternally grateful to him, you know, because had things not happened the way that they've happened, I wouldn't be here today. You know, I too struggled with my own demons and my own battle with depressive thoughts, like, especially after he died, you know, but something sparked up inside me that led me to Christ and I just really hope that I can do that for other people because I don't know what else to like, I don't you know, there's no like magic to this. There's no, there's no anything. There's just faith and there's just hope. And we put limitations to what God can do. Like God created the whole entire world in seven days. You know what I mean? And and he thought that the world needed one of you in it. In those seven days where he created, you know, the sun and the moon and the oceans and the birds, he thought, wow, the world needs one of you to complete it. He knew you before you were in your mom's womb. That's pretty freaking cool to me. So, I don't know. But think about that. The devil wasn't there in physical form. Like, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that he was there. It was a mental battle. Like, the devil took over, or tried, he didn't take over, but he tried his damnedest to take over Jesus' mind, to get him to jump off a freaking rock by lying to him and saying, oh, well, if you're the son of God, like, it is written that the angels are going to come down and they're going to save you. And you're, you know, not a single rock is going to touch you. Basically like telling him, go ahead, jump off, kill yourself. You're going to be better off. And what did Jesus do? He said, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's all about having faith. (sighs) Anyway, obviously this topic makes me really, really emotional. And I just want to convey to you and I want you to know that I'm sad. I'm really, really sad today because another little boy is gone. And we need to do something. We need to make a change. You know, we need to we need to like come together and break this stigma of mental health and mental illness. And we we have to try. I don't know I don't have the answers, damn it, but we have to try. We have to try to save these kids and The only way that I know how to do it is, at least with my kids, it's like, hey, you know what? I get it. Church can be dreadful. Like, you don't want to get up on Sundays and go to church, but you know what? Like, you're a kid. You don't have that option. I'm not giving you that option because I'm not going to give up on you. And if this is the only way that I know how to build you up, And how to set you up for success is to, like, instill to have faith and to have hope in you. Then I'll be damned if if we're not doing this, you know. So sorry if you're not happy with me. Sorry if you don't want to go to church. But, like, that's the only answer I have. I know where I would be if I didn't have faith, you know. I probably wouldn't be here talking about it. So, like, as far as my own kids, like, that's, that's the only thing I can do. As far as all the teenagers that I talk to that are struggling with depression, ask any of them, you know. I'm going to try to see if I can get some of them on here eventually, but, like, I see a difference in them, you know. So, it's, it's real, like, God does amazing things for people who actually have faith in him. He will heal you. He will change you. He will make the impossible become possible. You just have to have faith. So, anyway, until next week, have a great day.